Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, welcome to Canton Church. I am so glad that you are there. Uh, I would normally say I'm so glad you're here, but when you're there, I'm not here or something. I'm not sure how that makes sense. But uh, no, I'm glad that you're at Canton Church today. Uh, this weekend, my wife Corey and I are out of town, and we are uh, in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. We're speaking to a, a retreat called the Sync Retreat that is for young adults. And, uh, you know, we say here at Canton Church that we exist because generations matter. And for us, uh, that includes all generations. And so we're so thankful for the opportunity to speak into the lives of the young adults of the denomination that we're a part of. And there's several hundred young adults at this retreat. And uh, Pastor Casey and Haley are with us as we look for this retreat to be a possibility for the young adults of our church. And so we've had opportunity this week to speak to 18 to 28-year-olds. Yesterday morning, Corey and I spoke on five things we wish we knew before we got married, speaking to a room full of singles uh, about maybe some of the assumptions about marriage and what it is and what it is not. And then last night, I was able to share and really challenge them about their walk with the Lord and what it looks like to live that out on a, on a really regular basis. And then this morning, right here, when you're gathered at Canton Church, uh, we are speaking live in Pigeon Forge together and just helping them to understand the rhythm of grace and the rhythm that God calls them to, to live and to walk. And so I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that you know, we do exist because generations matter, and for us, that means sometimes we're outside of this building, outside of these walls, really investing in uh, these generations. Today is a very special day here at Canton Church because we kick off a brand new series uh, called L Words. And so for these four weeks in February, we are really looking at some words that find its way into uh, the relationships of our lives. And so next week, Corey and I are going to share together on the subject, the topic of love, and what love is and what love is not. Uh, that's leading into the week of Valentine's Day. So I'm really excited about that topic on that specific Sunday. Then the following week, we're going to talk about the subject of loneliness. What do you do if the desires of your heart uh, are not being quenched in the relationships that you currently have in your life? And so we're going to talk about how you deal with loneliness. And then the final week of the series, week four and the last Sunday of February, we're going to look at the idea of loss. What happens if you've lost love, you've lost relationship? And it doesn't have to just be romantic love, but in just other relationships of your life. How do you deal with loss? What does that look like in our lives as we attempt to honor God? And so I'm excited about that, and I believe that this is one of those series that we want you to invite friends. We want you to invite people to come with you because we really do believe that this series is for everyone, and there's something that they can gain. Well, today we're going to look at a subject matter that is a little bit sensitive, Hopefully by now you've been warned about the topic and maybe the PG-13 aspect of the topic today, but we're going to look at an idea here that, that really is sometimes often under, misunderstood. As we talk about this subject, or even in just a second when I say this word, you may think that I'm just talking to teenage boys today, or I'm just talking about one specific aspect of the definition of this word, and I'm really talking about the word lust When I talk about the word lust, I want to define it pretty quickly here because I want us all to be able to understand where I'm coming from and really where we're going. The definition I'm using is that we, when we use someone else as an instrument for my fulfillment or my satisfaction, lust is really using someone else as an instrument for my fulfillment or my satisfaction. Now, obviously, that can be utilized in in a sexual nature, 
But when we talk about lust, we really are talking in any way that we use someone for our benefit. When we use them and who they are so that we feel fulfilled or satisfied. And to illustrate this point today, I want to go to one of the perhaps weirdest stories in the Bible, at least in our modern day context, as we understand relationships and as we understand marriage and we understand family and what is appropriate in our present context. This this story in the Old Testament is one that is very, very weird, and I know that. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 13, and this is what it says beginning in verse 1. We're going to read several verses today. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Now, Amnon had an advisor named Jonadab, son of Shemaiah, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. And he asked Amnon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? And Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when... The king came to see him. Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. And David sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her, and since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and go out. No, she said to him. Sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, Get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. Now here's what I know when we read that passage of Scripture. I know it is a little bit weird, right? I mean, I know that even if you're not a faith person in the room today, if you're not someone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you look at the details of that story, you look at the surrounding context of that story, and you would say, man, I didn't even think that was in the Bible. I didn't think something that crazy was in the Bible. Well, here's what you need to know about us here at Canton Church. We don't just go to the parts of the Bible that we like. We don't just read the parts of the Bible we agree with, and we don't just teach on the parts of the Bible that are easy for us to understand. We believe in the whole Bible And so sometimes we've got to dive into some stories that are a little bit weird, a little bit unique, so that we can truly understand who we are, who we should not be, what we are becoming, and what we are not called to become. So today I want us to look at this story because I believe it's difficult, but I believe we can learn something from it. So to set this thing up, let me me just provide a little more understanding about a few things that we just read. 
First, Amnon was the son of King David, and so was Absalom. But Absalom had a sister named Tamar. Now, the way that that works is that David was their father, but David, like many kings of the Old Testament and and many people in the time in history when we find this story, had many wives. So there were different mothers for Amnon and Tamar, but they shared the same father. So I want us to look at several things in this story that I think help us to understand lust in a new way. First, it said that Amnon became obsessed with Tamar to the point that it made him sick. He was ill. The scripture actually says that Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. Well, maybe you've heard the phrase lovesick, you know, and I I think I know what they mean when they say that. I'm probably sure that I said it at some point in my life. I'm sure my parents described me as lovesick at some point in my past, but And while I understand what what they're saying, perhaps, I I do think that we've got to be careful when we talk about that because Amnon wasn't really in love with Tamar. He was in lust. There's a difference because love says, I want what's best for you. But lust says, I only care about what's best for me. And it says that he was obsessed with her. Obsession is not a part of a healthy, loving relationship. If you're in a relationship right now where someone seems obsessed with you, I would encourage you to be super careful and maybe look for a way out. That's a warning sign that someone would see themselves as obsessed with you. It means that they are so focused on you, not in a loving and kind way, but in such a way that they are trying to fulfill or quench something in themselves that they believe you would quench. And so obsession is derived from a place of unhealth. It's centered around the idea of lust and not of love because it's not about what's best for you. It's completely about what's best for me. Next, look at this. It says this. It says, now Amnon had an advisor named Jonadab, son of Shemaiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He was a shrewd man. Jonadab sees that he's ill, and so he asks, what wrong? what's wrong? Why, do you, why are you so haggard every single morning? What's wrong with you? And when when Amnon tells him what's happening, Jonadab says, well, I've got a plan. And then he lays out this plan. And this plan involves him tricking his father and then tricking his sister so that he can have his way with her. And when I look at this, it really challenges the idea here of who has permission to speak into your life? Who has permission to speak into your relationships? It says that the role that Jonadab played was that of an advisor for Amnon. Well, if this is the kind of advice that his advisor is giving to him, it it challenges me to think, like, who have I given permission to speak into my life? Who have I given permission to speak into my marriage and into my parenting? Who have I given permission to speak into the circumstances of my life? Because unfortunately, there's a lot of people that want to give you advice. It seems like today, everybody has an opinion about everything, including the details of my life. But that doesn't mean that just because they have an opinion that they have the right to share that opinion with me. Or even if they do have an opinion, and even if they do share that opinion, even if it's not solicited, I don't have to apply that advice to my life. And so when I think about the different people that I have around me, I want to make sure that when it comes to my marriage and it comes to my relationships, that I am listening to the right voices. I want to make sure that when I'm talking about or thinking about my marriage with Corey, our relationship... I want to make sure that the people that I'm getting advice from, they have similar goals in their marriage. They have similar goals in the things that they want to accomplish in their life and in their marriage that we have. I don't want to just listen to anybody, and I'm not trying to judge somebody. I'm not trying to shame someone, 
But when I'm talking about soliciting advice or allowing them to be an advisor in my life, I want to be careful. And so today, if you're sitting here and you start to think about the people that give you advice, whether it's solicited or not, I would encourage you to evaluate the goals that they may have in their relationships. If you're a married couple and you're trying to figure out if the arguments you're having with your spouse and the struggles that you have in your marriage are okay and they're healthy and you can make it through these things and you can work through them and end up a little healthier on the other side, I don't know that I would solicit advice from my buddy who's never had a relationship last more than about six weeks. I don't know that I'm listening to somebody who can't keep a relationship for a long period of time. That Every time it gets tough, he gets out. Every time it gets a little, little, a little bit of a struggle in that relationship, he's looking for the door and he's looking to get out of that relationship. He, he's not the person that I want to talk to when I'm trying to figure out how to stay faithful and pure and true in my marriage. Or perhaps you're in a dating relationship right now and you're trying to figure out, is, is she the one or is he the one? I don't know that I'm listening to the girl that's out at a party or a club every single weekend going from guy to guy to guy or a guy that's going from girl to girl to girl because they're not looking with the same goals that I have for a relationship that is, is to accomplish what this relationship that I'm seeking is all about. And so I gotta be careful who my advisors are in my marriage. I gotta be careful if I'm listening to someone who, who maybe was married but they, they, they didn't stay married. Maybe not just one time. I recognize there are various circumstances, but maybe, maybe they've been married two or three or four or five times, and they seem to have broken relationship after broken relationship. There may be places they can speak into my life, but I don't know that that's the person I'm seeking for advice and wisdom into how to keep my first marriage together. Do you understand what I'm saying? That I've got to be careful who the advisors in my life really are. You know who I should be looking for? I should be looking for those couples who have been married longer than I've been married. I should look for those couples who perhaps have, have weathered some storms and I know that they've made it out on the other side. Maybe they have some scars, maybe they have some battle wounds, but they've seemed to be able to, to stick it out and to find a way not just to survive, but to thrive in marriage. I wanna go up to some of those older couples and say, hey, can I, can I just watch how you're doing this? Can, can my wife and I just observe what it looks like to stay married 20, 30, 40, and 50 years? Because that's what we want to do. We don't want to just coexist. We don't want to just cohabitate in our house. We actually want to find a marriage that thrives for years and years and years to come with one another. And that seems to be what you have. And I want to listen to those kind of people. Now, Justin, as, a, as an aside right here, this is not a promotion. This is not a commercial. This is not a marketing ploy. But that's why we put on the event Couple to Couple. In just a few weeks, beginning the first Sunday of March, we will have our Couple to Couple event in this room the first four Sunday nights of March. And when we come together, we'll sit around round tables and we'll eat together and we'll laugh together and we'll play games together. We'll learn together. We'll grow together. We may cry together. Who knows? But that's all about coming together to grow and to learn and to really invest in our relationships. And it's also so that you can be around some round tables with other couples who have the same goals that you have for your relationship. It's for engaged and married couples. And we wanna put you in an environment where other couples are really trying to figure out how to live in ways that honor God. And so we want you to sign up for that. And, and honestly, you've probably already heard this or seen it on social media. This event will sell out, I promise. We have limited capacity in this room once we put enough round tables in here. 
And I promise you, it, it may already be sold out. I'm not sure. We just opened up registration this past week, but by Sunday morning, it may be sold out. So don't delay. Go and register for couple to couple and come and be in an environment with other couples who have some of the same goals that you have. The next thing that I want us to look at here is that when Jonadab gives him the plan, look at what happens. This is part of the plan that he laid out. It says this. It says, so Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. He pretended to be ill. Here's the question for you today. Who are you pretending to be? What are you pretending to be? When I look at this story, I recognize that if a relationship starts with a lie, if it's built on a lie, it's headed for trouble. Don't put on your dating profile in the dating app that you're using to get into new relationships that you're six foot three, 185, no matter how bad you want to be, six foot three, 185. If you know you're five foot seven, 235, here's the deal. On the first date, I promise you, she's going to notice. I promise. Girls, if you're, if you're on a dating profile, you're on an app, don't put loves to watch football if you don't know the difference between a touchdown and a home run. He's going to figure it out, I promise you. Just be honest about who you are because ultimately if you try to position yourself and pretend to be someone that you're not, you're starting the relationship built on something that is not true. It may not seem like a big deal, but if you're pretending to be something you're not, you aren't seeking love, you're seeking lust. You're actually not looking for someone that you can uh, submit to, someone that you can love with all of your heart. You're only looking for someone that fulfills your desires. You're manipulating your identity and manipulating yourself to fulfill your desires. And so you're just using them to fulfill or maybe to get rid of the loneliness that you feel or the lack of relationship that you have in your life right now or maybe something that's missing. You've got to be honest. So Amnon puts the plan into motion. And when Tamar brings the bread close, he grabs her and she yells, no, please don't do this. I'm begging you, please don't do this. He, she says to him, she says, listen, if this is how you feel, if what you're trying to do here is how you feel, no matter how bad it seems, would you just talk to our father? Would you talk to the king? He'll let us get married. There's an order to these things. Well, what you should know is that we actually agree with Tamar here. We agree that in relationship, there is an order. There's an order to the way that things should play out. And if you're in a relationship right now, whether you're married or you're engaged or you're dating or maybe you're just trying to kind of feel things out with someone right now in some type of relationship, and they're pressuring you to do something that you don't want to do, they're pressuring you to do something that you know is wrong, it's time for you to have a hard conversation. And if they still won't let you off the hook, you need to get out. You need to make sure that you don't stay in that relationship because they're not in love with you. I don't care how much they say that they are. They're actually in lust. They're only in it for themselves and they're trying to use you to fulfill their desires and to accomplish the satisfaction that they want for themselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says this, Love is patient. Love is patient. If somebody really loves you, then they will be patient and they'll wait. And honestly, I think in so many relationships, what happens is we seem to get in a hurry. Our emotions get the best of us. 
Uh, physically, we're, we have strong desires and strong feelings. And so if we're not careful, what happens is we get pressured by the other person to say, hey, you know, let's do things in this order. Let's, let's take this decision and make this decision. And if you don't feel comfortable, you need to ask them to be patient with you. She said, hey, let's get married. We agree. That's what we want for you. I just talked about couple to couple a few minutes ago. I talked about my marriage with Corey. We believe in marriage. And that doesn't mean that if you're dating someone right now that you absolutely need to marry them because maybe they're not the right person for you. But ultimately, you are trying to determine who is that right person for you and who is it that you want to and desire to and are meant to spend the rest of your life with. She said, hey, let's, let's get married. And we believe that. We believe in marriage and we fight for marriages and we fight for families here at Canton Church. And I recognize that there are so many people that want to get things out of order. And they say, hey, you know, before we get married, you know, let's, let's kick the tires a little bit. Let's test drive this thing. Let's try to figure out if this is going to work before we actually make that kind of commitment. And so often people like that will try to quote statistics to, you know, we want to be careful because 50% of marriages inside and outside of the church end in divorce. And yes, those, those statistics are true. But you want to know another statistic? 80% of couples that live together before they're married get divorced. 80% of couples that live together before they get married, those, those couples, those relationships, they end in divorce. And so the idea is that if you think, hey, I want to stay away from 50%, 80% is even worse. And so we say, hey, don't, don't just kick the tires. Don't just test drive this thing. No, there's an order to this. Let's date. Let's make sure that if we truly do love one another, that when we're ready to make that commitment, that we get engaged, we pledge ourselves to one another, and then we move into marriage. Don't let lust drive you to do things out of order. Love is patient. Let patience guide the love that you have for one another. You may not like it. You may not even love it. But I promise you, you will be thankful for that patience down the road. Now look at how this story ends. We see how all the story plays out, how the plan of Jonadab plays out in the story of Amnon and Tamar. And then after, after he has violated his sister, Tamar, after he's done the unthinkable and brought shame and disgrace on her, he tries to kick her out. It actually says this in the story. It says, then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. With intense hatred. Have you ever heard somebody that said something like this? Yeah, you know, our relationship, our marriage, it just didn't work out because we fell out of love. We just fell out of love. I don't know about you, but when, when I think about falling down, it, it sounds like an accident. It sounds like a mistake, right? And so when I think about someone falling out of love, it doesn't sound like something intentionally done. And I think they would probably agree with me. Unfortunately, I've sat with so many couples as they talk about falling out of love, that when I listen to their story, it doesn't sound like they so much fell out of love as they fell out of lust. They fell out of those feelings where they felt fulfilled. They fell out of those feelings, the commitment that they had made, where their satisfaction was not being accomplished. And so while they may feel like they fell out of love, perhaps they really just fell out of lust because they're not as concerned with what the other person is feeling as what they are feeling. And the definition that we're using for lust is the idea that I'm only concerned with what I feel. I'm only concerned with my fulfillment. I'm only concerned with my satisfaction. And so I've, 
I'm really thinking that maybe they fell out of lust and not out of love. Because once your desire has not been fulfilled, you no longer need that person. You no longer need them to be around because they don't satisfy in you or for you what they used to satisfy. But when you're truly in love with someone, you don't just run hot and cold. You don't just love and then hate. You want what's best for them. You aren't just thinking about what you feel and how you're being satisfied. You think about what's best for them. You don't fall out of love. You fall out of lust, unfortunately. The story here of Amnon and Tamar, it's a tragedy. It actually ends up getting Amnon killed because Absalom, his brother, Tamar's brother, he hears what happens. He finds out and he kills his brother Amnon. But I believe when I look at this story that there's a lot of us here today that might not be living out this kind of soap opera in our lives, but we're struggling with lust in some form or some fashion. Not just in this deeply sexual way, but in our motives. We're using people. We're only concerned with our own desires. We're only concerned with our own fulfillment and our own satisfaction. And I'm not just talking to teenagers here today. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to other married couples. How do you view your spouse Do you view them as someone who's only there to satisfy you, someone there that's only to serve you and your needs and your desires? Because if we're talking about L words, there's a better way. This is not just about lust and your desires and your satisfaction and your fulfillment. It's about serving and honoring the commitment that you made to love that other person for better or for worse, in richer or in poorer, in sickness And in health, sometimes when you're in some of those worse moments, some of those sickness moments, you know, when that happens, when you're in those poorer moments, maybe you're not being satisfied or fulfilled as much as you would desire to be, but you recognize that out of your love for the other person, you commit yourself anew to making sure that you're honoring the commitment that you made together. We're not called to lust, we're called to love And so if we're talking about L words, there's got to be a better way. It's such a big deal, this idea of lust. It's such a big deal that Jesus actually said if you're struggling with lust, if there's a part of your body that's causing you to lust, if your eyes are causing you to lust, pluck them out. He said it would be better for you not to have an eye than for that eye to lead you astray. He said if there's a part of your body that's causing you to sin, cut it off. He said that lust was such a, a huge sin that it was, it was something that could be fulfilled in such a way that it actually led you towards a greater sin. He says lust is equal to, it's an equivalent to adultery. That once you've committed lust, once you view someone as the object of your satisfaction and your fulfillment and it's not caring for their soul and who they are, that that lust actually causes you to be just as guilty as someone who betrays their spouse or someone in a physical way because you've done that on a soul level. You've made yourself more valuable than them, more important than them. And so for so many of us today, I believe that there is a lust part of our hearts that has to be dealt with. We've got to deal with some selfishness, and we've got to look for a better way. And so today I realize we read a really weird story. I realize we're talking about a subject that probably makes us a little bit uncomfortable. Some of you have probably thought that's not what I struggle with, or I can't believe he's talking about that. I for sure can't believe he's talking about that when he's not even here. Sure, I know why he did it on video. Now he didn't want to be in the room when he had to talk about this. I promise that's not it. But I recognize when we start talking about this subject, maybe you would write me off. Maybe you would say, no, this is not something that I struggle with. It's not something that I think we should be talking about. 
But I believe in a room like this that there are so many of us struggling with this idea, struggling with this topic, struggling with with just this whole concept of making it about us, selfishness that makes it all about us and our desires and our satisfaction and our fulfillment and not about someone else. And so right there where you're at, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's looking around right now. I just want to give you the opportunity to have this quiet moment between you and the Lord. Perhaps you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, I know the first decision that I need to make is I need to deal with my soul. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I recognize that I need God to forgive my sins and be the Lord of my life from this moment forward. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Just lift that hand to acknowledge your need for God. We want to pray for you in just a moment. Now, perhaps you would say to me, you know what, Jeremy, for me, I'm pretending to be something I'm not. Maybe it's not about putting 63185 on a profile somewhere, but I have made myself out to be something that I'm not, and and I want to make that right today in some relationships that I'm a part of. And I want God to help me to do that. Give me the strength to have some hard conversations. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? We want to pray for you in just a moment. And then lastly, maybe you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, it's a struggle with lust. In various forms, various fashions, things that we're talking about today or maybe something else, but when you describe it in the ways that you've described it, when I read this story and the way that we've read this story today, I recognize that I have a struggle with lust. With nobody looking around right now, if that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? We want to pray for you in just a moment. God, I thank you for this day and for this moment now. I believe for some of us, even with a really interesting and weird story from your word, that you want to change people's lives right now. I thank you, God, that we believe in the whole Bible. We believe in those parts that make us uncomfortable, and we believe in those parts that are a little bit difficult to understand. But God, I know that the part of Scripture that applies to some of us today is that you sent your one and only Son to come and live on this earth and then go to the cross and die as the sacrifice necessary for our salvation. So God, now I pray for every person that lifted their hands, asking you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Would you forgive their sins and lead their lives from this moment forward, from now until eternity? God, now I pray for those who are pretending to be something, pretending to be someone. They're not being honest with themselves, and perhaps they're not being honest in other relationships of their lives. God, I'm asking you now to do a work. Give them the courage. Give them the strength to be who they're naturally called to be, who they were created to be. I'm asking you now, God, to help them to have some hard conversations in those relationships of their lives and to be honest. Even if they're tough, it's the right thing to do. And God, now I pray for every person who lifted their hand to acknowledge their struggle with lust. God, the various forms, the various ways that it comes about in our lives, God, I pray that you would help us to be delivered now. Forgive them, help them, strengthen them. God, cause them to have some hard conversations or perhaps just make some hard decisions But God, I pray that you would free them now from the struggle that they may have. Don't let them feel guilt or shame. Your word tells us that there's no guilt or condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So God, we thank you that we rest in you today. Take away our guilt, take away our shame. And God, I pray that you would help us to live victorious and free lives from this moment forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. I'm so thankful you're here or there today. And I can't wait to see you next week. Come back and join us. Bring somebody with you. Corey and I are going to be talking about the idea of love as we continue our L Words series. God bless.
Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.